meet people in person, you know, and that's a huge advantage. I think like it's sitting at like that 20, 25 property mark is like a very comfortable place to be in short term rentals, because once you get up to like that 100, 200, you really can't like allocate time to building the relationships, meeting folk in person. But you have a unique advantage starting because you do have that time. You can get up and go. Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. What's up, guys? We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Today, I'm here with a trifecta of co-host property managers based out of South Florida. We've got Sean, Vanessa, and Tim uh, from Easy Breeze BNB. Easy Breezy BNB, that's us. Easy Breezy. Let's yeah. go. So we got Easy Breezy BNB in the house. They have scaled a co-host as well as also an ownership portfolio in the last several years in sunny South Florida. And uh, Sean and Vanessa are actually a husband and wife duo. So super excited to have a great conversation today. We're going to talk about TPG moving into uh, you know private equity firm, moving into South Florida and kind of talk about what happened there as well as you know some of the challenges that they're facing and how they are you know how they're reacting to them. So Sean, Vanessa, Tim, thank you guys so much for coming today. Thanks for having us. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So, so guys, let's let's get let's hear a little bit about your background. How, you know, how did you get your the portfolio that you guys have today? Yeah, definitely. So just kind of like a little pre- preface or whatever, we I had been involved in real estate investing kind of beforehand. And so one of the one of the things that we were doing is I had a duplex and Vanessa and I were living on one side and we had the other side rented out to a tenant. Long story short, the tenant moved out. I renovated the place and I was getting ready to re-rent it. And Vanessa kind of had this like crazy idea. She's like, hey, I want to do, well, let's do Airbnb or whatever. And I was like, no. <laughs> was not for I was not about it at all. I was like, that's like kind of a lot of work. And it's like, I don't want to deal with the headache and the parties and all this and that. And she kind of convinced me to do it. It took a lot of convincing, but I was like, okay. I basically had to tell him I was going to do the entire thing for him, that he wasn't going to have to lift a finger, do all the furnishing, all the just handling of guests, everything. And then he finally agreed. So she, well, the, so the deal was she was going to take over everything. She was going to decorate it. She's going to run the whole show. She's going to do everything. And then I was like, okay, that's cool. And then we'll just, you know, see how it goes. And, um, and so she was doing her thing over there, running it. And I started to see like, as opposed to a tenant where you get the, the money every month, it was coming in every time the guest checked in. And I was like, oh, kind of like this. <laughs> you saw that, that Airbnb payout was sent. You saw that email notification. Right. And, then, and then it hit the bank account. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of nice, you know? <laughs> So, so, you know, after that, I, I started to get a little bit more interested and I'm like, okay, how can we like, you know, is there like some sort of like, how are you pricing it? You know, I started asking a couple questions here and there, started doing more research and yeah, basically from there, I kind of got into it and, you know, I had just purchased another property. So we moved into that property and put the other side. So now both of the duplex units are on Airbnb and they were both kind of doing well. And we were like, well, okay, we like this Airbnb thing. We want to kind of grow this business, but how can we grow it? Because obviously you keep, you can't keep buying properties. You're going to run out of money fairly quickly. So we're like, okay, well, there's probably other owners out there that are like me. 
that are maybe interested in Airbnb, but I have no desire to run the business side of it because it can be a lot of work. It's a lot more hands-on than just sticking a tenant in there. And so that's where kind of the management company was born. Or easy, Got easy. it. So at first you wanted to do nothing. You're like, Vanessa, all right, if you do this, like you've got it. And then you got that first payout, you know, the, that hit your bank account. You're like, wait a minute here. I didn't have to do anything. And this, this money's coming. All right, let's, let's see if we can do a little bit more of this. And like, and then you hit the, all right, we can only buy, you know, so many properties. Right. I want this to keep going. What's another strategy or way to grow the portfolio? And that's kind of where you stumbled into co-hosting. Yeah. A funny, funny, funny story, actually. But yeah, so that that is how we stumbled into co-hosting. We were looking at the different ways people were getting involved. And for a very, very small period, we were like, one of the things that's very popular you see online is this rental arbitrage thing. Mm -hmm. So there was a very small period where we were like calling up realtors and calling up for rent homes to try and do the whole rent it out and, and that whatever. But for us personally, we discovered fairly just quickly, not, it just yeah. wasn't because with the upfront costs and everything, it just seemed like the better play was to see if we could partner with owners and, and do the management. And especially just with rent in South Florida specifically being so high, there's just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? For the type of units that we were wanting to go for, there wasn't a lot of meat left on the bone after you paid rent and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's the thing. So, uh, you know, for folk listening, co-hosting, if you don't know already, is when you just manage a property for someone else. So you generally take, what what co-host fee do you guys charge? 25%. So they take a quarter, one quarter of gross revenue. If the house makes 10,000 a month, 2,500. If the house makes 5,000 a month, $1,250. So by doing that, you might not have, you know, with arbitrage, you've, you've got potentially higher upside, but also potentially a lot higher or downside because with co-hosting you don't really have a downside i mean the downside is the co-host client like decides to not you know go with you anymore so then you know maybe you wasted a little bit of time talking to them and setting things up but right. you're not wasting your money you didn't you didn't you know it's a three thousand square foot house you didn't just spend thirty five thousand dollars furnishing it so i guess did you guys look at the co-hosting as a way to just minimize risk for sure. I think arbitrage is like a good, I always say like, I don't want to knock arbitrage because if you don't have like a portfolio or any like clout, so to speak, it's really hard to get somebody to like agree to let you manage their property without any experience. So I think arbitrage can be a great way to get your foot in the door. Luckily we had our own properties that we were able to like show off that we were managing, but for sure co-hosting was what we felt was the safest and the smartest bet for our business specifically. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, what I tell people is you have to either show people your own listings, whether you buy or arbitrage, or you have to creatively lend someone else's listings. So, you know, like I have a portfolio of whatever, 25 listings. You know, if someone wants to work with me, we can figure out how to like present that in a way that, you know, makes them look legit. But also, you know, I obviously have to vet and make sure they are legit. But I, I digress. So you guys were able to build your own portfolio. Initially well, I did months. have to do a lot of free labor in the beginning to get my first <laughs> my first client to let me manage this property. <laughs> but it's yeah, all right. Tell me about that first client. How did you find that first client? And and walk me through that that deal and that relationship. That was actually a really interesting situation. Sean made us a website, and we randomly get a call 
from somebody who somehow found our website. I don't even know how. It was on. Okay, so this is a a little 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 pro tip for anybody who's starting out. Get your get a website and then get your your business or your company on Google, on Google Maps. Hey. Google Maps, Google the little Google Maps. The, <laughs> when they search the business, it comes up with the phone numbers or whatever. Get a couple of your friends to get you a little five star reviews. Couple of them there, and then and that's how he found us. So he called us up, and, and we go over to. We went over there the same day. Oh, I mean, like y'all were on it. I, I, played, I, I, I was like, oh, you want it? You want, okay? We can come check it out now. You ready now? <laughs> and it was like in a great neighborhood. It was a really nice house, and like when we got there, honestly, I was so nervous. Thankfully, Sean, he's like, fake it till you make it. Like, he just, he has so much balls, so to speak, <laughs> because I was like shaking in my boots. And then when we got there, the owner himself was an Airbnb property manager in like, I think North Carolina, but had a hey. portfolio. So I was even more nervous when he said that, because I'm like, he's totally going to smell our funk and know <laughs> Luckily, Luckily, we had just enough experience, because he was asking us, he was asking us questions that normal clients, like regular clients that don't really know, don't really ask. So luckily we knew just enough to like, oh, okay, they seem, they seem like they know what they're doing or whatever. But I, you know, I don't know if he, he, if he knew or not, but he, he ended up taking a chance on us. He and, hired us uh, on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think that that just shows, and I tell people this, meet people in person, you know, and that's oh. in a huge advantage. I think like it's sitting at like that 20, 25 property mark is like a very comfortable place to be in short-term rentals. Cause once you get up to like that hundred, 200, you really can't like allocate time to building the relationships, meeting folk in person, but you have a unique advantage starting because you do have that time. You can get up and go. And that's why they're going to pick you with people say, Oh, why are they going to go with someone new versus Vacasa or one of these like massive property managers? Because you just went over there because you that's just actually, that's been huge for us and we've had so many of our clients tell us actually that the reason why they chose us one of the main reasons why they chose us is because a we picked up the phone and were available and b we showed up right away and when we said we would and did what we said we were going to do so that is, has been huge just being there and showing face and shaking their hand and walking through their property with them to like address their concerns it has been huge Got it. So you got that co-host client literally from making a website and a Google business profile. How did you further scale from there? So from there, so, okay. Yeah. So we had the Google business profile and we were getting a couple leads here and there. We got like, from there, I think we got like a couple more. Oh, the secret sauce. Oh, I, I, for, I, secret I forgot sauce. about that. Yeah. Oh man. So, so, so when we first started, one of the things that I would do was I would. He's giving you trade secrets right now. We never tell anybody this. It was our secret sauce forever. I com I completely forgot about this. So we, what I would do is I would make these revenue reports for how much a house could make in the area, right? Like, so I would look, I would go on Zillow or Redfin or something like that. And I would, I would pull up, pull up the, all the houses that look like something that we would want to manage that and I would, and I would, that were for sale and I would create a revenue report and then I would email the realtors, right? This revenue report, but I wouldn't just email them. I would then show up to the open house and say, Hey, I'm the guy that like emailed you. So they knew it wasn't spam. Like I was an actual person. 
And then from there, bring a stack of the revenue reports and say, here, leave this on your open house to show your potential buyers, you know, what the property could make. Yeah. And so realtors got to know who I was and they started referring me out, especially because the thing is with anything, right? You're consistent. I would do this every single day. Right. So eventually, like it's the same realtors that are kind of doing most of the volume in the area. And so they start seeing your email enough and then you show up to their house a couple of times. And they're like, oh, okay. And then also too, having that stack of the uh, the revenue reports, there, it's just extra information that helps them sell the house, right? So now people are like looking at this, they're like, oh, this is interesting to have a potential Airbnb buyer. And then the guy's like, oh, I have this for you. And then it has my phone number, our company logo, all nice and neat right there. Yeah, and all of a sudden- branded, like the actual revenue reports. So that was good too, because like, like the buyers would come in and take them. And even if they didn't buy that house specifically, they would call us for other properties that they were considering. You yeah, they would call us. Oh, what do you think this property can make? Oh, da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden now we're starting to get calls. So that was how we got our like initial lead flow. I love this. And and part of the reason I love this is because it kind of validates something that that I've been working on. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with BNB Calc? Uh, software vaguely vaguely. All right. I guess our ads haven't been been going going to the it's right people. No, so essentially what BNB Calc is, it's essentially a spreadsheet, you know, so an analysis digitized on a web application. And we have a lot of realtors who will an analyze a property, run the numbers, and then send it, share it to their clients. But what we're, I, I want to also work on is branded reports for vacation rental managers slash co-hosts. So you can analyze a property, you can show, you know, you can show how much it would make as a short-term rental, how much as a long-term rental potentially. It'll have your phone number. It'll have your email there and just kind of like, you know, export to PDF. If you want to print it out, export to PDF. If you don't, if you want to just send it, click the share link and send it. So kind of, yeah. is that kind of like the, the concept? I'm sure you guys manually built out these reports. Yeah, for sure. So basically what I did was I had, I, I did a report and then I figured out like, okay, this looks nice. This looks nice. And then I just kind of used that as a template and then just swapped out the numbers and the pictures and stuff. Got but, it. You built your own template and then kind yeah. of like took stuff and what put it into Excel to, to do everything and then brought it back into the report. Well, yeah. So it was, it was I mean, it was very simple, honestly. It's, it's probably, it's not like software or anything like that. I literally had like, like a Word document, right. That had yeah. like, you know, the, 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 the address, the picture, the information, whatever. And, and what I would do is I would manually like go to, you know, all these, these property listings and I'm, I would copy the picture, paste it in, you know, like yeah. and, and swap it out. And like, but I'm getting all the numbers from like AirDNA or whatever. So, you know, you get the numbers from AirDNA and you just change the number out and then yep. save that PDF and done. So it was, you know, probably a rudimentary version of what you have going on. But um, yeah, but yeah. You, you guys are obviously, you know, figure it outers, make it workers, you know, I'm not saying other people aren't, but definitely we're just trying to make that process as easy as possible. For so, sure. you know, folk For don't sure. have to like recreate the wheel. So yeah. I just love hearing you guys say that. And I would love to show you guys what we're doing and get your feedback. We can do that. We can do that offline here, but let's keep going. So you were, so let me just get this straight. Google business was the first, the first, first client. Yeah. Clients after that were going to open houses, dropping your stack. And essentially I want to say building relationships with referral partners. Hundred uh, percent. And these these realtors would they connect you with other potential clients? All the time. All the time. And they loved it so much because a lot of the times realtors have a hard time accurately like 
deciding how much an Airbnb can make. And they have no idea. On that. <laughs> no they clue. have no idea. And a lot of times they're completely off. So for them, it was almost like a sigh of relief to have a partner that they could rely on that would give numbers that like we would back. You know what I mean? Like if we give you a number, like we're going to back this number. This is what your property is going to make. So they were referring us to their other realtor friends like all their client, like it just became like an actual thing. And like the yeah. name Easy Breezy really started to go around Fort Lauderdale. That and also we have a meetup that we've been doing for like two years now with our friends that started it and asked us to co-host it. That's been huge too. Yeah, the meetup and just getting to know a bunch of the investors in the area. So in the beginning also too, in addition to that, we, we, we had our own meetup that we were kind of helping with, but we would also go to a bunch of the other meetups in the area. So once you do that, again, it's it's not a huge pool of people that are going to these things regularly. So you start to get to know other people and people start to associate you with short-term rentals and they start coming to you, asking you questions. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're starting to get phone calls from like, like we're starting to get phone calls from people like that had heard about us from somebody else and I, I had never met or heard of them before. You know what I mean? So yeah. the referral that, you know, it brought them out. Like a beacon for short-term rentals. Like that was what we said from the beginning. Like we want to be a beacon for short-term rentals as a short-term rental specialist in Fort Lauderdale. Like you have a question, easy, easy are the people that you're going to call to get an answer for it. And you guys are just giving value to people. Essentially, you just focused mm -hmm. on providing value, providing information. And what I'd say is like, the more you give, the more you get. And Very you true. became the experts. So, and that obviously translated. So tell me, so. When, when, and when did, when did you guys start scaling, by the way? Ooh, started 20, scaling. 20, 2021 is when we kind of started growing. Yeah. Honestly, gotcha. like as soon as we started that first unit up, like we, we were like, oh, this is it. And once Sean, he's like the brains behind everything. Once he puts his mind on something, the machine starts going and we just like, we're out the door. He started figuring out how are we going to get these leads in? So yeah, 2021, we started and it went pretty quickly. I think by that first year we had hit 11 or 12. Um, and then by our second year, we were at like 20 and then we're what, four or five months out from our second year and we're at like 25 now. So. Gotcha. So you guys have been able to scale this. And at what point did you guys have a job jobs prior to this? And was there a point where you guys said, F this, we're going full time. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so I'm a flight attendant, or I was a flight attendant, but actually COVID hit and my flying decreased significantly. So that was actually why I was like home so bored. And I'm like, babe, let me turn next door into an Airbnb. Like I had nothing to do. Let me I play. Sean, let me play. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, and he's like, no, I'm not dealing with this. Absolutely not. But yeah, so that started there. And then Honestly, the environment in aviation had changed so much after COVID and I just hated working there. And then everything with Easy Breezy started scaling so much. So I was just like, oh no, like this is done for me. I'm, I'm just never going back there again. Like I want to go full throttle with Easy Breezy and this is my baby. So let's grow it. Yeah. Councilman Sean for you. Yeah. So I was actually, I'm actually a pharmacist. Yeah. So I'm a pharmacist, but I, I had, I had stopped working as a pharmacist years ago, maybe like you seven took years me as ago. A, I took you as like a quant. Thought Sean <laughs> was the numbers guy, but I guess. I, I, yeah. I, to be honest with you, I, I do kind of have like a, a little bit of an affinity for numbers. Science is, yeah, you know, but I, you know, my, my parents are both pharmacists, so they kind of pushed me into that field. I didn't really like it too much. And so I actually left pharmacy a while, a while back and started investing in real estate and that sort of thing. And I actually started with Tim, 
over there, we, we, we decided to jump into flipping houses and stuff like that. So I had some like investing prior, like real estate investing stuff. And that's, that's what I was doing. So I went from pharmacy to just real estate investing, flipping houses, flipping land. And then that's when at the time she wanted to do the Airbnb and I was busy doing the other stuff. So I was like, yeah, you know, that's why I was kind of like, kind of hesitant. Cause he I agreed to appease me. He was tired of hearing me talk <laughs> all day about it. So he finally gave in. Yeah, but I mean, it was, it, I mean, you know, now this is, this is what we both do full time. So it seems like Vanessa's the one who pushes you out of your comfort zone, but then you end up, you end up in hindsight being like, I'm thankful that you did that. For sure. And for I should sure. not have done it without him because I had no entrepreneurial background whatsoever. Like being a business owner was nothing that had ever crossed my mind. So like the skill set that he brought to the table was if there's just nothing that could value what he brought to the table. I would have never been able to build it as quickly as I did without having him, you know, help me out. So granted, let's not sell. So I feel like the thing that's cool about short-term rentals or that I've seen is like the husband wife combo hit crush it. And generally, I don't want to generalize. We're not, we're not going to generalize here, but what I've seen is oftentimes, you know, the wife or, you know, the partner, design <laughs> like they're good they're about the design i the man more the numbers you know more oh, yes. the kind of like operations yes is that a appropriate characterization here a hundred percent i definitely do all the design stuff like i said i did my first three properties for free aka mr howell's properties <laughs> but it was very necessary for us because that was like our portfolio and that's what we used you know what i mean to go out mm -hmm. and say look what i can do and that in itself ended up becoming like its own little side business because most of our most of our clients are out-of-state investors so they don't have the time, nor do they want to be involved in any of that. So as full service, it was really great for us to be able to offer that extra added service. And she's um, talking about just, by the way, she's talking about like designing and decor. Yeah. 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 So design and then also the the setup, like the furniture, yes. like helping with the furniture assembly, furniture coordinating setup. with contractors, which I'm going to, I'm going to give a story from, from me, like setting up. So one of my, so I started with co-hosting just for a little bit of background by myself. I initially started with co-hosting then just owners would come to me and just say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to lease this? Like, instead of do the whole property management thing. And that's how I got into arbitrage. I didn't even know it was called arbitrage. I didn't even know it was called co-hosting, you know, at, at the beginning, I wasn't, wasn't on TikTok enough back then to, to know all the lingo. But one of my early property management clients, they just moved out of the house and they had like taken a lot of the furniture with them. So I spent three or four days, like literally sleeping on their floor, like assembling, like going to Sam's club, going to Costco, assembling furniture. And then two months into the engagement, they said, we're going to do this ourselves. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, oh. and I was like, are you serious? Like I literally just slept on your floor. You know? <laughs> and, like you had a landscaper get there at 4am, like two days in a row. Like I was scared. Like I didn't, but then from there I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this again, I'm charging a setup fee. So sure. is that something you guys started doing? A hundred percent. Listen, after I did my first like two projects and just saw the pure mountain of trash alone that I had to the figure cardboard. out how to dispose <laughs> of, I was like, this is, and also like, it does really take a significant amount of time. And that's time that's taking me away from being able to go out and chase other leads down. So like, yeah. it's gotta be worth my time. And then you also get to a space where like, if I have to run a few projects at one time, like I need a team and I need to be able to pay this team to help me set this up. So 
yeah, for sure now we definitely charge for those projects. Like it, there's just no way that I can do them for free. Like it's just, it's not gonna happen. Gotcha. But that first client, this is something I, I often, you know, tell folk is it only takes like one, if people say, you know, think, oh, how am I gonna get to five houses? Like, yeah, you can get to five houses with five different clients. Like that's possible. But oftentimes what you see is one landlord or one client might bring you three of them, four of them, five of them. So it sounds like you were able to go deep with this early investor and that really helped cascade everything. Yeah, for sure. We have a few investors actually that have given us more than one property. Yeah. Gotcha. Which again, it's also just relationship management is easier, you know, when they can call you and talk to you versus, you know, talking to you about one little condo here and there. So, okay. So, so you guys were able to scale creatively through relationships with realtors. And I'm curious, did you guys do a referral fee with the realtors or, or not? Not really. So like we, we kind of like toyed around with it for a little bit, but to be honest with you, our, our main value proposition to them was just being kind of like, cause I'm sell the damn house. <laughs> yeah. I'm helping you and sell the house those numbers. and giving them the numbers and being a resource because especially at that time, not as much now, but especially at that time, a lot of people, you know, everybody was trying to buy an Airbnb and they just didn't have the information to give to them often. Yeah. So, you know, just having somebody that they can reliably call and be like, Hey, can you help me close this client? Hey, can you help me find this client a good property that's going to work for them? You know, that was oftentimes enough of a, that's really big, a really big point to make. And that was one of the things I think that we were offering that I, and I guess I can't speak for other management companies, but I know that like, because Sean was already an investor, he wasn't just like a management company that wanted to like manage your property. Like he was able to analyze the deal for you from an investor standpoint. Like, yeah. does this make sense? Like there's been times that we've told clients, no, just put a long-term tenant in there. It's going to make more sense for you. And I think that added so much value because it allowed our clients to trust us so much more because he wasn't just making these numbers up. And a lot of times they would say, oh, well, I spoke to this management company and they gave me this, you know, this number. And Sean's like, yeah, but now you have to factor in all your expenses. You have to factor in your platform fees and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, after you do all that with what your mortgage is, like, it doesn't make sense. So I think that was a huge piece of like why we were so successful too, is because we were investors as well. And we were able to analyze it from that standpoint. Yeah. So and also got- too, oh, just a quick, just a quick ad. Also, too, like a, a lot of the times the sometimes the houses that the realtors would have them sometimes even under contract for already, then they would ask me for the numbers. I'm like, you shouldn't buy that house. I mean, it's not going to work. You know, I'm like, you should probably not buy that house. <laughs> but they're thankful. And then guess what? When they find another house, guess who they come back to to help them analyze and manage that property? Us, you know, so. So know your numbers, essentially, yes. and just be an asset, be be the domain expert, provide value, provide and you shall receive. So you guys were able to grow to 25 properties. Obviously, I have two properties in Florida. Things were gangbusters during COVID, especially, I don't know about y'all, but all these Canadians coming down because all the super, all the super strict COVID regulations and requirements up there. But things were people coming up, let me rent this place three, four, five months. It was It was hot. And now, you know, things have reverted kind of to the mean. And at the same time, people are moving and moving and moving to Florida. So the demand, I mean, home prices have shot up, the demand for long term rents have gone up. So yeah, what have you guys seen kind of since that COVID craziness over the last, you know, since then? 
down here since COVID. <laughs> COVID really shaped up a lot for us down here, especially like that rise in like home prices definitely came from that COVID Airbnb bubble. The numbers that we were doing on Airbnb during COVID were like uniform numbers. You know what I mean? They were yeah. just insane. So now all these people that are coming from out of town and from places like New York where houses are so much more expensive at the time, they're like, what? I could buy this house here for this much and then put it on Airbnb and make this much. And then that's when you were seeing all those people coming down here buying houses without even seeing it for like $50,000, $60,000 over asking. And then all of a sudden COVID is done and that bubble pops and those numbers are reverting back to what they were before. And people are like, oh, excuse my language, shit. Now I have this huge mortgage, but I'm not making what I thought I was going to make. So I think that had a huge impact on our market down here for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then during that, so during that time, you could pretty much, it was it was to a point where there was a, like a, a window of time where Airbnb was so lucrative down here. You could literally go on the MLS, pick any house with a pool. And you're going to do 20 to 25% cash on cash after paying a manager. So obviously investors flocked here like crazy and bought every single pool home. And then when they weren't, when they weren't getting that two ass, of them. <laughs> you said, well, exactly. Like I can get 25% after paying a manager. What, what, you know, so they were just buying, 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 buying. And uh, they were paying more and more and more because they're like, well, I don't need 25%. I'm good with 20. I'm good with 18. I'm good with 15. And the margins kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And it was too, it was kind of crazy because back before this whole Airbnb craze, the difference in price between a non-pool home and a pool home neighboring houses, maybe like $40,000 after the difference in price with a gap widened to like, 200 $300,000 difference. So, I mean, it you was need the just, pool. It's not even an option. It's, it's not even. Now they don't even want to take a property if it doesn't have a pool. To be honest, like it's got to be a very unique and special property if it doesn't have a pool for us to be to take it on cuz it's just It's, it's just not going to it's not going to it's it's, it's going to be tough for it to perform in the way that the owner likely needs it to perform and you know, the thing is we always like to work like a win-win situation, right? Like I don't want to be managing. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm managing a property for you. You're not making your numbers that you need. And now you're coming back to me, right? Because it's it's not performing the way that you need it to perform or whatever. So, you know, I'm always kind of, now we're a lot more picky and I try to inform owners that that come to us now, like, hey, like this is the realistic situation. Like if you don't have a pool, it's going to be kind of tough, you know? Got it. And has your guys' strategy changed? So initially during COVID, it was helping new investors access South Florida. Now has it became more of investors who already own a house who maybe they didn't see, think about how much work it might be to manage it, or maybe they went with Vacasa or one of these like massive property managers and they're like, we're just not getting the service we need. We're looking for someone else. Yeah, I think to be to be completely transparent, I think we're still working on that shift for sure. sure. We have had a little bit of success recently with, you know, some of the national brands that just don't really live up to their expectations, like you said. And then us having such a great portfolio and like, I guess, rep in South Florida. We've gotten a few clients like that. We've been trying to chase down those leads. But yeah, we definitely talked a lot about and that's kind of where Tim has really jumped in as a team member with us and like helping us kind of chase down new leads and different avenues. 
we talked a lot about marketing to people who already, like you said, have existing vacation homes or people that have owned the home for a while and maybe had a long-term tenant. So their mortgage is probably really low. Maybe they even paid the house off. It's definitely something that we're kind of looking into. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of right now. It's a lot, lot more like less like investors because the investors aren't really investing right now and more second homeowners, yep. right? Vacation homeowners, people that, people that have a reason to not want to put a tenant in there, right? Like they want to use their home as a, as a vacation or an escape from the Northeast or wherever they're coming from. Right. So it's a lot of that. And then a lot of now, like you were saying, and Vanessa was saying, you know, some of the national brands that aren't taking the best care of some of the homes, you know, unhappy unhappy customers or whatever, switching over. They already have a short-term rental. They're just kind of switching over somewhere else. Got it. So what So what do you guys see moving forward? And, and I love I love that you guys are in, in Florida because we've got two properties there. And frankly, you know, I'm most of my portfolio is in North Carolina. Like it's in different cities in North Carolina. But like, generally speaking, I would say that like the people who work at the cities are like kind of the same, you know, type, type like pretty normal folk. I have had the experience in Florida where it just seems like, I don't know, people are, <laughs> I mean, you guys live there, but it's just people, there's some characters, characters there and navigating South Florida is a challenge. So have you guys just kind of been able, like, are you guys in one city? Are you guys in a bunch of cities? And how, I'm just curious personally, how do you navigate like each city and all their you know different requirements? And cause I've even had like, you talk to two people in the same city and they say different things. So yeah. Where What's are your your in Florida at? They're in Palm Beach County, okay. Um, okay. like West Palm, Lake Worth areas. Cool, cool. So where, where are your guys? We're in Fort Lauderdale. So all of our properties are pretty much in like the greater East Fort Lauderdale area. So it's one, one, like one city, essentially. No. One. Yeah, I mean, yes. Oh, yes, yeah, no. yes. Yeah. I mean, like if you take Fort Lauderdale, like within Fort Lauderdale, there's like, you know, the different neighborhoods like Wilton Manors, Oakland Park. And then we go one city north and one city south. So Pompano and then Dania is south. But each of those little cities in Fort Lauderdale have different rules and regulations. Exactly. Like general mm -hmm. things that are the same, but they all have like little nuances. So now we're familiar with them. Like now we know the, all the inspectors. They know who we are at this point. But I mean, in the beginning, it's definitely tough to navigate because you think you got it like nailed down and then you move to a new city. Like we went to Oakland Park in Fort Lauderdale and we like, Oh my God, the inspection list is so different. Like we have to completely redo what we did, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It was, it, go ahead. I'm getting hit with my Florida learning curve. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had to, we had to make systems kind of like, or not systems, but like we I had to make like a kind of like a checklist basically for each city. So, you know, on our like on our we have like a we have like a playbook or whatever that basically is like a reference sheet that has a bunch of links and it has information that we need frequently, right? So we can always go back to this one sheet and it has a bunch of information. So we have we have like each city regulations and their inspection requirements there. So that way you don't have to go, we don't have to go looking for it every single time. I can just go to my reference sheet, click on it. Okay, I need X, Y, Z. And that's kind of been the best way to to organize it. But you're right. I mean, South Florida is kind of a crazy place. It's a mess. People don't answer their phones. <laughs> Nobody actually knows what's going on. Like, like it's a mess for sure. And I think that's why it's so important that you do have kind of somebody on the ground to like help you navigate that, especially if you're out of state. Because and then most of the time, investors have their own jobs that are like full time jobs, and they don't have the time to be chasing down the inspector to come check out their property. So for sure, it's, it's a mess down here. Yeah, they come in and they say, oh, what is this? 
you got a tiki hut here. Tiki huts aren't allowed. Oh, wait, they're only allowed if you get them built by Native Americans. Or if they're <laughs> like six feet off the fence. But yeah. there's always some weird thing, for sure. Yeah, yeah. we've been dealing with a tiki hut, tiki hut situations. And oh, man. you says you don't need a permit, like, like by federal law, you don't need a permit. But then the city says you need a permit. But then you tell them this is federal law here. Can read like am i reading this wrong and then they go okay you're right but this is our process and then you have a second property and another tiki hut and then that's a different process than the one you did at the first property all right i can complain about florida all day obviously. <laughs> <laughs> i'm triggered here but obviously you guys have figured figured it out and that's why just having domain uh, expertise on a localized level is such a value add to investors and, and homeowners so this being said, I, I, want, I know we touched on this before the show, but uh, TPG, there was a big article the other day. It was kind of funny. TPG posted, that, or, or sorry, uh, uh, I think Wall Street Journal posted that TPG was starting to buy a bunch of homes in South Florida to do as short-term rentals. And I posted on my Instagram story, will be interesting to see how the suits perform at the STR game. Because, you know, this game's hospitality business. You have to craft experiences you know, it's not, I think a lot of times like private equity investors think that like you just buy the asset and like it's done, you know, they don't understand right. the, the like, you know, design, how important and valuable design is. And they don't really want to get in the nitty gritty of all these little things that, you know, maybe local regulations of calling this inspector to figure out, you know, all that, all that Florida specific stuff maybe. But that being said, they, article came out that they were coming in and then the article came out two days later that they were going out <laughs> so what was your or did you guys uh, pick up on that article and i guess like what's your, what's your reaction i didn't see that article but you know what's really funny about that is we've had a few like bigger brands from like out of state call us with offers to like buy the company and that's been like a common thing that they say that like we've been trying to get into that market in fort lauderdale and we just haven't been able to like tap into it so now we're just trying to buy like other management companies that are kind of like already built out and stuff that have a portfolio to see if that like that will help us break into the market there. So I mean that's definitely that definitely sounds kind of on brand for for Fort Lauderdale or South Florida right now. Yeah, and and I think I think it's something I say is like vacation rental management companies can be acquired. Co-host businesses can get bought. Arbitrage businesses cannot get bought because you've got a lease, you know, and that lease. It's not transfer as much as everyone says, oh, my the leases are transferable. Like it's really not. There's not a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the arbitrage space for but for co-hosting vacation rental management, there is. It was gangbusters during COVID. Vacasso was buying anybody, writing out their checkbook and giving anybody, you know, really good terms. Now it's like died down a little bit, but you guys are telling me you're still getting hit up for like conversations about acquisitions. Yeah, no, I mean, not not like crazy. Not crazy. We've gotten a couple phone calls yeah. or whatever, but but yeah, it's just kind of kind of funny to funny to hear that. I mean, I'm not surprised that, especially if they're coming in now and trying to buy properties for like in South Florida, I'm not surprised that they made an exit very quickly because it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take very long to see that the numbers aren't like spectacular. I mean, depending on how they're buying the properties too. Like, I don't know if they're buying these properties cash or if they're using a bank, but I mean, as you guys know, the interest rates are pretty high right now. So you have kind of high and the, the prices of the homes haven't really dropped too much. Yeah. And they're so... not going to because you've got people just moving into Florida and that that trend has not decreased. Yeah. So, I mean, you have you have like where 
where a three two with a pool, for example, right? You used to be able to pick one up for like, I don't know, five hundred thousand dollars at at a three percent interest rate or whatever, and your payments like, you know, your payments like two grand, twenty, twenty, twenty two hundred or whatever. But now it's like versus now you, the three two with a pool is like six fifty and the interest rate's eight percent and your mortgage is like six thousand dollars. I mean it doesn't even make sense. How can you Yeah, you know? <laughs> Like, even if you want to put a long-term tenant in there, like, you're not going to get $6,500 with a long-term tenant. Like, it's just, it's really hard to make the numbers work right now. Yeah, and I think the thing in Florida, because, I mean, I hear it talk a lot, all the time, you know, oh, short-term rentals, like, housing crisis. I'm like, the issue with Florida is you've got people, you know, from the Northeast, and I'm pointing up, but, I mean, technically, I'm, I'm in New York City right now, so I don't know where I'm pointing. Maybe I'll point I'll point down. But you've got, you've got people who... You know, they just they don't want to pay New York taxes, Massachusetts taxes, Connecticut taxes. So they're going to buy a house in Florida with cash. They've got so much money and they're not going to live there <laughs> like they might say they live there for, you know, they might. Oh, I live in Florida, quote unquote. Maybe they'll stay there one year for like six months in a day. Get the residency. <laughs> they're out. They are out. So that yeah. house is unoccupied. Like people bought that in order to evade taxes. So you're telling me that the a house that is occupied by renters <laughs> on a, like, like, you know, a lot of times, you know, for us, like multiple families, like staying, like sometimes for extended periods, like versus a rich guy from New York just bought a house in cash to never go there. You know, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't mean, I'm not in charge, but I would look at things maybe. <laughs> uh, right. So you, yeah, you guys have seen that firsthand where like Northeast folks just buying houses in South Florida. Yeah, and- those New Yorkers took over. I'm not even going to lie. They took over South Florida, like straight up took over. And a lot of times they're buying and kind of just to play the, the tax game. Yeah, definitely play the tax game. But even just, again, like, just because they want a vacation house down here and, like, sure. why not, right? So, which, again, is a great client resource for us because they're not so much worried about it making money. money. They just want mm-hmm. it to cover it, its expenses. So that's kind of a win-win for us, especially in today's market because, you know, it's it's hard to kind of cash flow right now. Is there a lot of the six-month-in-a-day people, you know, where they'll say <laughs> just have um, years? We got, we got- we got like a couple of those, but it's a lot of, a lot of more, more so second homeowners. Yeah. Got it. So how are you guys? So what is your guys tangible pro tip for anyone listening to get clients? Ooh, tangible pro tip. Okay. Uh, meet people. I, and, and I know that's so general, but like, really like I'm telling you when I, when I, when we were first starting going to those open houses, not just not just sending the email with the report, but actually going to those open houses, shaking hands with the realtor, talking with them a little bit, right? Now, maybe, I don't know if, if in other markets that's still as viable of a strategy, I don't know how people are buying in other markets, but going to your local, your, your local meetups and showing up consistently, getting to know people and letting them know what you do and who you are. And as, as you go more consistently, right? People get to know you, they start talking to you, you start learning more about them as people and they learn more about you as a person and people like to do business with people that they like. Right. So, you know, next time that something comes up, they're going to think, Oh, Hey, by the way, like, I, you know, Sean, I think Sean does that, uh, that short term. Let me here, give it, give him a call. He knows what he's doing. You know, that and also educating yourself in what you're doing. Cause I think it's extremely unethical to kind of just say, 
I, oh, I want to get into shorts and run, so I'm just going to manage anybody's property. But if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to run your numbers, like you're you're dealing with somebody's hard-earned investment property, and you can really screw somebody over if you don't know what you're doing. You know, they could lose their, yeah. their investment. So well, especially if they're getting into a new investment. Right, exactly. Yeah. So like we did so many mentorships with people that were way advanced with us. You know, we did a lot of courses. Like we did a lot of learning, and there's so mm -hmm. like you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's people that are happy to teach you how to analyze the deal and stuff. So definitely spend time doing that to make sure that you are actually capable of managing somebody's property and in the right way. That's actually a very tangible pro tip that I think should be highlighted because our second really big stage of growth came after we did a, we did a mentorship with, Julie. with, with Julie George. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. This like, it was, it was this company called Legends X and, you know, mm -hmm. we did a mentorship with with Eric Moeller, I think Jasper and, and Julie George were kind of running it there. And anyways, long story short, through them and through that, we learned not only how to systemize our business, build the playbook, but also they taught us their methods for finding new clients as well. Right. So like you say, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can learn from people more experienced than you. And a lot of times, like, you know, mentorships and stuff like it's going to pay for itself 10 times over, you totally. know? So invest in yourself, invest in the education that has also been really, really, really big for us. Absolutely. And I, I, I could not, as someone who invests heavily in mentorships and coaching on at this point, so many different topics, like anything that I'm even thinking about <laughs> potentially doing, if I can't have the playbook on how to do it, I'll probably stay away. Cause I just know the amount of time and energy to, recreate a wheel is just not worth it. So I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So how could folk, you know, who enjoyed your story today, want to get to know you guys better? How can they, how can they stay, stay current? Check out our Instagram, easy breezy BNB at easy breezy BNB. And then you can also check out our website and reach us, reach out to us there at easy breezy BNB.com. Got it. And then yeah, one more question. Uh, I know Tim, you guys have brought him to help help with growth. So I'm assuming part of the operations virtual assistance a component there to to build out that, you know, that process. We, we actually just recently got our first VA a few months ago, but that was actually huge. It took a lot off my plate from like messaging guests and stuff. We've got a really big and great cleaning team that are crucial, can't do it without them. And we also have um, a what we call boots on the ground manager that is basically doing just that boots on the ground. If there's maintenance that's going on, he's going to check that out. He's checking behind cleaners, just making sure that the overall property is staying in good condition. And then Tim, he's on board not only just to help us find leads, but we really needed help organizing and getting our finances in control because between just me and Sean with the growth that we're doing, it was just really difficult to kind of keep all that organized and run the entire business at the same time. And they've done real estate together. Tim is also a numbers guy. So he's really been helping us kind of like organize that side and analyze like, you know, how much we're making and stuff like that so that we can make some bigger moves moving forward. So that team is also going to be crucial, but be prepared to just wear a lot of hats in the beginning. You know, that's the name of the game when you start a business, but actively keeping your mind how you can get these rolls off your plate for sure. Absolutely. Automate, automate and scale name, name of the game. Well, guys, thank y'all so much for joining today. And everybody who's listening, stay tuned for the next episode of the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. 
In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.